forming community just is hard. It's like marrying 30 people and starting a business at the same time. So the odds are stacked against you. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 42. I'm excited about this show because one of the most common questions that I get from listeners is, where can I park my tiny house? How do I find a place to park my tiny house? And my guest, Jill Canto, had the same question, and she spent most of her build looking for a spot. And after she was done, she decided to combine her love for intentional communities with her web design skills and her desire to connect tiny housers with communities. And so she founded searchtinyhousevillages.com. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about what an intentional community is and whether or not you might like to live in one, how to find intentional communities that accept tiny houses, and what to look for in a successful community. So if you are curious about intentional communities, about finding a community for your tiny house, this is the episode for you. Stick around. All right, I am here with Jill Canto, founder of searchtinyhousevillages.com. Jill travels to one to two tiny house festivals every month, giving speeches about the spectrum of communities, the pros and cons of each community type, resources for joining or starting a community, common mistakes when founding a community, and tools for working together efficiently. Jill Canto, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, We met at the Big Mass Tiny House Festival, and I really admired your booth, and it was just so cool that you you go to these festivals, you bring your equipment, and you just let people get their hands on your website. Um, Before we talk about the website, I was hoping you could just tell me about yourself and and your kind of tiny story. Sure. Um, So in 2012, I was newly divorced. Um, I had two small children that I had physical custody of, and I wasn't receiving child support. The courts are very, very slow with that kind of stuff at where I live. Um, and I was really struggling. Um, I was I was purchasing my groceries on credit cards that I couldn't afford to pay off. I was working around the clock um, trying to make, make ends meet, and I just it wasn't hitting the mark. Um, Fortunately, about a year later, I was receiving child support, but due to a clerk error, it wasn't the full amount. Um, and that took several years to resolve. Uh, so life was really hard. I was I was struggling for several years. Um, in 2015, my mom offered to lend me money to build my own tiny house. Um, and most people that you hear when you go to the festivals, when they talk about their tiny house journey, it's generally a pretty, pretty well thought out um, process. But mine actually took three days. Um, so I had a three day period to decide if it would have worked for me or not. And so, um, I, I went online and, uh, looked for models that might fit my needs and, um, picked one, downloaded the materials list, priced it out at the local stores and restores and, uh, and wrote a business, um, model for my mom, um, to, to show that I, that I felt that I could um, accomplish it. And, um, so I pulled the trigger. I didn't have anywhere to live in it yet though. Um, I knew it would take me a little bit of time to build it. So I felt like that, um, my situation was uncomfortable enough that I needed to pull the trigger then. Um, so I went ahead and started building it without a place to live in it. And it ended up taking me a lot longer than I thought it would take, which is a common thing that you'll hear from most people that build their own tiny house. 
Um, it took me about 13 months. And that entire 13 months, I was um, consistently failing at finding a place to park it. Um, I would go on Facebook, I would, uh, on Craigslist and any random uh, discussion I had with a stranger, I would drop in tiny house parking into the conversation. And I just was kind of coming up empty. And then I found, um, somebody told me about the app nextdoor.com and I posted, um, on there and I found a place to live in my tiny house that same day. And for those that aren't familiar with nextdoor.com, it's a great app. It's similar to Facebook, but instead of connecting you to people, um, through friend requests, it automatically connects you to people geographically within uh, like a 10 to 15 mile radius. Um, and so you're really connecting with the people that are your audience um, when you're looking for a place to live in your tiny house. So I was really fortunate with that. Um, and so I currently live on a six acre farm in Maryland. I've been here for two and a half years and um, it's a great setup. There's a single family house here and there's horses and goats and chickens and it's it's a really lovely setup. Nice. So you were able to get your tiny house parking after you posted to the community that was local to you. And we we have something like that up in Vermont called Front Porch Forum, and it goes just by neighborhood. But I think it's just a Vermont thing. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, but Nextdoor is, at least I know national. I don't know if it's international, but um, anybody can access Nextdoor. And if you don't have a Nextdoor forum in your area, I think that you can just create one for your community. Cool. So... Did that experience inspire searchtinyhousevillages.com? And actually, why don't you just, why don't you tell the story of searchtinyhousevillages.com? You know, what inspired it and what is it? Sure. It's actually a natural segue from um, my my background. Um, So uh, prior to um, building the tiny house, I had been spending um, a considerable amount of time visiting and studying intentional communities. Um, And as lovely as the living arrangement that I have in, in, at this location is, um, I know that when people um, when people decide to work together um, in a more formal arrangement, that they can really increase the benefits um, of living together. Um, so I, after living here for about a year and a half, I went online to look for um, communities that might be potential future places for me to live in my tiny house. And I couldn't find a list of communities anywhere. I found the occasional blog post that would highlight one or two of them, um, but I couldn't find an easily searchable directory. And so each community that I would come across, I'd have to read, like spend considerable amount of time reading about each one and to see if it was a, if it met my needs or not. And it was just a, a, um, a really great time suck. Um, so uh, I started amassing my own list in a, in a spreadsheet. And once I got up to about 60 communities, I realized that it was quite a resource and I wanted to share it with other people. And so I went on to the various Facebook groups that are out there for tiny housers and asked them what parameters were important to them when, um, when deciding on a community. Um, and so I took that feedback and I also combined the feedback that I didn't get, but that I know that was, I know from my experience with intentional communities, that's very important criteria as well, such as what's the decision-making model um, and and the conflict resolution policies and things like that. And I, and I created 32 different filters. Um, and I should preface that I'm a front end web developer. Um, so I had the skill sets already at my, at my hands to, to create the site. Um, and, and then I, and I wanted to, the, the site to be as usable to anybody within the tiny house movement. So, um, I create within these filters, um, I created ones for like, what are the types of houses? So it's not just tiny houses on wheels. It, it's um, also accessible for people that have yurts or shipping containers or um, cabins, um, you know, anything that's a, a tiny house. Um, 
and um, what is, you know, other things like what type of community is it? So it doesn't just have to be like the intentional communities that I visited. It can be anything from like backyard parking, like what I'm doing now to RV parks that accept tiny houses to mixed housing where they, you know, they might have um, a single family home and tiny houses are allowed or um, co-housing when tiny houses are allowed to tiny house hotels, the whole, the whole gamut. Um, okay. So what is an intentional community for those who don't know? And also, you know, beyond the intentional community, what are the other types of communities that are potentially available for tiny houses? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the one of the ways that I really like to demonstrate what a tiny house, an, an, <clears throat> excuse me, an intentional community is, is um, by looking at an existing intentional community. Um, there's obviously several flavors of them, but in general, it's a it's a group of um, people that decide to live together and that hold common values together. Um, and they and they prioritize a high degree of social cohesion. Um, and so one of my favorite ones that I like to, to, to share with those people is Twin Oaks. It's an intentional community in Charlottesville, Virginia, or near Charlottesville, Virginia, excuse me. It's in Louisa, Virginia. Um, and they, um, it's, they're on 450 acres. It's 90 adults and 15 kids. And by working together, they're able to achieve um, more or less an upper-class lifestyle. It's not apples to apples, so it's a little bit hard to um, to to classify it. Um, and they're able to achieve that at $7,000 per person per year. Um, and by what I mean by working together is, um, they have, they have a three prong approach. Um, one of them is a network of libraries. So much like we're all familiar with a book library where you can check out a book, read it, and then return it when you're finished. They extend that to cars and tools, musical instruments, bikes, and even clothes. Um, and that really begs the question, um, of the, do I need to own everything in my life or do I just need access to it when, when needed, such as like a lawnmower, you know, for many people, a lawnmower will sit in their garage and taking up space and also requiring maintenance, um, and time put into it. Um, so there, that, that's something that you would just check out of the library, not a, a lawnmower per se, but they would have like a car or a tool that you would just check out of the library and then return it. The second prong is the worker cooperative um, approach. So a worker cooperative is a really great setup. It's a business where all of the employees are also owners. And so um, they're very empowered in decision-making process. And um, in worker cooperatives, um, the production tends to be better because people are more invested in something that they own. Um, and there, the third prong is uh, the um, the community members also work within the community to support the domestic chores. Um, and what that, and so the people that are living there, they work, um, a 42 hour work week. It's an all volunteer economy. Um, so people decide if they want to work at one of the worker cooperatives or work within, um, for the domestic chores within the community or split their time between them. Um, there's one caveat to that though. Um, people um, haven't been consigning up for dishwashing tour there. So every um, <laughs> week or so you'll get a one hour dishwashing tour assigned to you. Um, and when I first heard that, I was a little bit taken aback by the 42 hour work week because you'll hear a lot of people living tiny where they can actually cut their, um, the number of days that they have to work. Um, and that's really attractive. Um, but then when I took into consideration that um, there are, 
only putting in that one shift, you know, their, their, their hours that they're putting in. And then once like um, normal, you know, somebody not living in community um, finishes their work hours, then they still have to do their grocery shopping and cook their meals and, um, and fix their cars and, and all of that's being taken care of for you at Twin Oaks. And it even goes further than that. Like they, they have somebody cooking you two meals a day. They have somebody growing food for you, doing your grocery shopping, doing your personal shopping, fixing your cars and maintaining them and even building your houses. Twin Oaks doesn't um, allow tiny houses, but there are other communities within that um, within their network. They have a, a network of communities called the Federation of Egalitarian Communities. And some of those do accept tiny houses. Okay. Um, and something um, that's also really interesting about Twin Oaks is that um, for um, family leave, when you have a child there, you are completely forgiven your 42 hours for the first year. That's for both parents. And you don't just pick up once you're once the first year's finished, you don't just pick up 42 hours. You are gradually introduced to your hours. And then when the child is 18, you're back at 42 hours. And on the flip side, um, they, uh, when you're going to retirement, you start at a certain age, you start losing hours every year. And, um, something also that's of interest is within that, that Federation of Egalitarian community of communities that I mentioned, you get a number of benefits from that, like medical coverage, um, loans for, um, at performing or expanding your community mentorship. And, um, one of my favorite things, which is the labor exchange program. And <clears throat> through the labor exchange program, um, you, um, you can, you can go from your home community to any of the other communities within the network and still get your credit hours for working at the other communities. And that's a really valuable resource. Um, because when you're forming a community, it is forming a community just is hard. It's like marrying 30 people and starting a business at the same time. So the odds are stacked against you, but if you're able to tap into the um, resources of the different people living in the other communities and bring them on site and have them help you, that's giving a huge helping hand from, um, and increasing your odds of, of success. So are there tiny house intentional communities that already exist out there or is this something? Okay. So what are some examples of those? It, it, they're not tiny only. There are okay. communities that um, have um, houses on foundation um, and, and accept tiny houses um, as well. Um, one of those is a member of um, that of the FEC, the Federation of Egalitarian Communities, and that is down the street from Twin Oaks. It's called Cambia Community, and it's a great um, community that started a few years ago. It's a new, it's a younger one. Twin Oaks, um, conversely, has been around for fifty one or fifty two years. It definitely sounds like they kind of create their own almost social safety net and it's kind of this own little world that takes care of things that don't get normally taken care of in the outside world. What do you see as the cons? You know, so there's definitely a lot of benefits, but what are the kind of downsides of this type of community? Cause I, I can only imagine that they, they can't be for everybody. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's a, I have a few answers for that. Um, one is, um, privacy, you know, a lot of, it's hard sometimes when you're sharing all that space, um, with everybody. One of the solutions to that it's at Twin Oaks, for example, every single person there has their own room. Even if you're a married um, couple, you still have your own room so that you have your own place to recharge and escape to. Um, another thing is savings. Um, they're pulling a lot of their um, resources and income. Um, so it's hard to maintain. Uh, so you're not really building up your own personal equity. So if you decide to leave the community, then that can be scary. Um, some people complain that they've felt trapped um, if, for, um, for if they wanted to, to leave. Um, another thing is diversity. Um, typically, you're going to find people at, um, at Twin Oaks and other um, like similar communities, they're mostly white. Um, and so there's been uh, a number of um, um, uh, efforts put into place to try to um, uh, increase the diversity throughout them. 
Um, and from what I've um, learned at um, previous community conferences, which I'd also love to um, talk about later on, um, is that uh, the way to have that is by having people of color on the founding boards. Um, so we definitely uh, would love to see more of that happening. What resources are out there for joining a community and resources for forming a community? Is that something that that searchtinyhousevillages.com does? Yeah, so searchtinyhousevillages.com, like, it is a directory of communities. So, And you can search on there the type of community. So if you're looking for something that is more of an intentional community or um, something you know where you have um, a greater range of autonomy, you can definitely find that on there. Um, additionally, uh, in the future, I'll be adding um, a lot of functionality to the site um, that really helps people um, that are forming their communities. So it'll be like a, a matchmaking system between established communities that want to mentor forming communities. And there'll be a host of tools within the back end um, for project management and um, and for networking and, and uh, promoting discussion um, so that people can really get these projects moving forward. Um, because it, like I said, it is really hard. Um, there's a fantastic book that I absolutely adore. Um, it really is the the core it should be the core for anybody that is um, creating a community it's called creating a life together and it's by diana leaf christian um and i've got a very well-worn copy of it because it is just such a wealth of knowledge um and she has a companion book that i haven't finished reading yet um that's called finding community it's called and uh the subtitle is how to join an eco village or intentional community um and so far i'm really enjoying that as well so i think that's a good resource um, uh, next door, um, it can be, can also be useful for that as well. Um, one of the things that I really like though, is the communities conference, um, which is at host, which is hosted at Twin Oaks, uh, every year on Labor Day weekend, it, they, they host a weekend of workshops. And so you can learn the skill sets to start a community and, or live in a community, which I think is something that should be, um, mentioned because we are raised in an individual individualistic society so we don't really have a lot of those cooperative skill sets to live in community so you can learn them there as well so even if you're just um, wanting to live in community i think that that um that's it's a great place to visit as well um and one of the the biggest features of um the communities conference on on top of the workshops is the meet the communities feature um because Twin Oaks has been around for so long and uh, and it's uh, this conference is so well attended, they will have representatives from like maybe 50 different communities there. So at, at the beginning of the conference, they'll have a um, uh, they'll give each representative of, the, of a community like 60 seconds to give their elevator pitch of their community. And then they'll make themselves available for two hours um, to talk to. So you can pretty much like speed date. 50 different communities and see which ones are a good match for you and whether you're wanting to join them or start one. Um, so you can bend their ear if it's something that just speaks to you as if it's a close match of what you're trying to replicate. Um, so it's, it's well worth it. It's every Labor Day weekend and it's, um, it's only like a hundred dollars and includes your food and, and stay. Very nice. So there are definitely a lot of news stories that I see because I follow tiny house news of, tiny house villages, tiny house communities popping up. What do you see as the differences between maybe just a neighborhood of tiny houses and and a community of tiny houses? Yeah, well, I think that the, the basic um, difference between that is the target. So if a developer is creating that, then their, their bottom line is to create a place um, where they're going to make a profit. That's probably their largest motivating factor. Um, and the intentional communities, their bottom line is the happiness 
lives of the people living there. So it's a completely different target. And that really will um, make a, an impact on each stage of, of the development of the community and, uh, and the day-to-day living within the community. It's clear that you maybe have a preference for the community, and I can see why, because it seems like there are so many, you know, just benefits to it. Um, how does search tinyhousevillages.com fit in in that picture? Are you looking to develop your own intentional communities or is it always going to just be a resource to help people find other ones? Well, right now it's a directory. Um, it's, it's, a, it's just a directory and it's going to have resources um, to create other ones. I started this because I wanted to live in a community. So I would, I'm looking for a community for myself. And if I don't find one on there, then I will eventually make um, a community, a community for my own community. However, the goal of the site is not to make money. So if that's what you're, if you're asking, is it to um, make money creating communities? That's absolutely not on the radar at all. The goal of the site is just to educate people and to connect people um, and empower them. Nice. What does the future look like? You already talked a little bit about some future functionality, but what's the roadmap for searchtinyhousevillages.com? Yeah, I've got quite a few things um, in queue for that. Um, one, I, I, I the, the website is completely free to use, um, so it's it's taken a considerable amount of my time and um, finances to put together. So I am looking for a way to fund it um, so that I can continue developing it. Um, and and I had a, quite a conundrum there because I'm a mindful consumption today. Um, so I, I don't want to, um, you know, just post products on there for sale. Um, and I I don't want to abuse my visitors and um, dilute my voice, um, what I'm trying, what the messages that I'm trying to get across. Um, so I was, my hands were kind of tied on how I could, um, how I could fund the site with those constraints. Um, and what I came up with, I'm really excited about, it's an API project. Um, so what it, what that will mean is, uh, is that people can um, list the, all of these communities on my site with the search functions directly onto their site and make it look like it it's just part of their site. And I think that'll be really beneficial for like builders and um, people that are selling tiny house products or um, festival organizers and the like. Um, so I, not that, that will be available to them through a very small monthly membership. Um, and I'm, I'm doubly excited for that because that means that the communities are going to get that many more eyes on them because they're going to be seen through different websites. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about the future for that. Um, another thing that I'm doing is I'm expanding the directory. Um, so right now I have a directory of tiny houses. Um, in the future, I'll be adding a directory of people that are living tiny and wanting to live tiny, a uh, builder directory, a tiny house festival directory, and a tiny house resource directory. And I'm going to be adding like um, reviews and feedback on them. And there'll be a host of um, tools for people to work together um, and connect with one another through there and have um, um, means for managing those projects and, um, and discussions and everything. And I also want to add a document repository on there. Um, forming a community means a lot of paperwork, <laughs> things like, um, you know, what's the payment model or um, income pooling model? What's the conflict resolution or membership model? Uh, contracts for entering the community, contracts for leaving the community. I want to take a lot of that pain away by creating a repository um, of all these documents. Say I start a tiny house community and I want to submit it to the site. Is that something that that I can just go on and do myself or do I have to contact you? Like, how does the submission process work? Yeah, um, you can just go directly onto the site. There's a link on there at the top that says add a village and, and it'll take you through the process. Um if there's just a, a heads up for people that do want to add it. And somebody added, um, the latest community was added today. Um, so I think I'm up to 225 communities on there right now. 
Um, but it, there are a lot of fields on there. The strength in the, in the search in the site is the extensive search engine. So there will be several fields that you need to fill out. Um, if you struggle with that at all, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I can walk you through it or I can manually add it in the back end. So you mentioned that you travel to a lot of tiny house festivals. What, what is upcoming for you? I have um, quite a few lined up on the docket already this year. Um, I've gotten um, many requests from a lot of people. So it looks like I'm going to be pretty busy um, for the next. I think I might be going to Tampa um, in February. That one's not finalized yet. Um, and of course, doing all the ones with John and Finn for, under United Tiny House Association. Yeah, and those are a lot of fun. Yes, they are. So one thing that I like to ask all my guests um, is what are two or three resources that inspired you along your tiny house journey that you want to share with others? And I know that you you mentioned um, Creating a Life Together by Diana Leaf Christian. Is that, did I get that That's right? Correct. Yeah, you got and it. And the Twin Oaks community. Were there any other resources that helped you in the actual, you know, maybe the building of your tiny house and, and that you want to share what you learned? Yeah, um, th- that was quite a scary um, uh, step to take, um, and I and I, there was quite a few things that really helped me along the way. Um, the first was um, YouTube. Oh my gosh, YouTube helped so much. Um, and I also bought the um, the DVD from TinyHouseBuild.com, which was a step by step process on how to build a tiny house, and that was very helpful as well. Um, uh, the main another thing that was really helpful was holding, um, building parties. (laughs) If you build it, they will come. People love tiny houses. Um, so they, they definitely will come out and flock, um, to a a building party. So I hosted several of those. Um, and, and that was really fantastic. And that any part of my house that I look at, um, I can usually find um, pretty w- quickly a part that a friend of mine or or somebody that I didn't know at the time, but that became a cr- close friend through the build party. And that's a really rewarding feeling. That's that's great. That is really nice. I like to look around my house and kind of remember each step of the way. And every time I look at something, I'm like, I remember doing that. And I remember feeling like this house would never be done. But now it's been <laughs> gotcha. done for so long. <laughs> My house still isn't finished. I still haven't been done. I haven't gotten the finishing work done on the inside. I like many others moved into my house and um and said I'll just finish all the rest of it now that I live in it. And I've only finished the things that like were screaming at me for attention. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to do construction work inside of your tiny house as it is, but once you're living there, I like all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jill Canto, this was really informative and fun. So thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Thank you so much to Jill Canto for being a guest on the show. You can find the notes from today's episode, including all the links to the intentional communities and resources that Jill mentioned at thetinyhouse.net slash 042. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 042. And before we end, I just want to say really quick, thanks for listening. And if you have not yet subscribed to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, it would help me out a lot if you would. And subscribing is really easy. You can go to thetinyhouse.net slash listen. That will bring you right to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe. The show is also available in Spotify, CastBox, Radio Public, Google Play, basically everywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. So go over to that app, 
search for the tiny house lifestyle podcast or just go to thetinyhouse.net slash listen and you'll be directed automatically to apple podcasts where you can hit subscribe it helps me out a lot it helps us find new listeners and i really appreciate it well that's all for this week I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.